from WFMU and the Free Music Archive. This is the Gray Area Podcast. Welcome. My name is Jason. This is an excerpt of my weekly WFMU program that airs Thursday mornings from 9 a.m. to noon. And on November 17th, as the House began to consider the Stop Online Piracy Act, I was joined by media piracy expert Joe Carganis. He just released preliminary conclusions from the Copy Culture Survey a study of infringement and enforcement in the United States. He also, earlier this year, uh, released a landmark report, Media Piracy in Emerging Economies. Uh, Joe Carganis has previously edited studies on structures of participation in digital culture and the politics of open source adoption. So he'll be joining in just a little bit to talk about his research into piracy in light of the Stop Online Piracy Act, which has some pretty frightening pretty frightening implications. I mean, some people are calling it American censorship. But first, clear some music that you can download for free legally from freemusicarchive.org. This is the Korean zither player. It's actually a traditional instrument called the komongo, Jinhai Kim, joined by the American percussionist Jerry Hemingway. From the new album on Oracle Records titled Pulses, this is the song Pale Blue Dot and was curated for the Free Music Archive by Interpretations. Thank you. 
Flickering there 
and you've been listening to Talks Cheap here on WFMU, playing music from the Free Music Archive. You can download for free. That was Starving Weirdos. Song in our way off of landlines. Kristen Hirsch before that with Crooked. She's a big uh, supporter of Creative Commons, releasing as much of her music as she can for free. And we host a lot up on the Free Music Archive, including uh, Crooked, which we heard. We heard a track from. Brooklyn group K-Holes that debuted on the Free Music Archive last week. It's from their forthcoming LP as yet untitled but the song Window in the Wall I don't think the LP is going to be out until 2012 We heard a collaboration between Jin Hai Kim performing on the Kamungo instrument and the percussionist Jerry Hemingway. He recently performed as part of the Interpretation series in this piece titled Pale Blue Dot from the album Pulses. Coming up in just a couple minutes, we're going to be speaking with piracy expert Joe Caraganis about the Copy Culture Survey recently, just this week, released some preliminary conclusions about infringement and enforcement in the U.S. in light of uh, Congress considering the Stop Online Piracy Act, SOPA, which has some really frightening implications. And is it even possible to stop online piracy? Maybe it is. Maybe it's already stopping itself. We're going to talk to Joe Carganis in just a couple minutes, so stay tuned here on WFMU. Uh, Joe, are you there? Yes, I am. 
Great. So Joe Carganis is the vice president of the American Assembly at Columbia University and former program director at the Social Science Research Council. Just this week released a study on copy culture, uh, the results of a survey on infringement and enforcement in the United States, uh, released this week in light of the fact that the House is reviewing SOPA, the um, Stop Online Piracy Act, which has some pretty pretty frightening implications. A lot of people out there saying this is American censorship. Well, Joe, what, what do you make of SOPA, and do you think it's even possible to stop online piracy? Well, SOPA is designed to do basically three things. Uh, first, I mean, it's, it's billed as an effort to take down sites or block access to sites that are, quote, dedicated to the theft of U.S. property. So the, the main targets here are really overseas sites that stream content uh, or that, you know, that, that you know, run large-scale peer-to-peer networks that, that deal in a lot of infringing content. So that's, that's sort of the, the, the first set of targets. But uh, part of the problem is that the, the definition is very large, and uh, many of the Internet companies that are now up in arms about this issue feel that it's very likely to be applied to them. And it can be applied to basically anyone who uh, engages in infringement but also facilitates it or doesn't take uh, what the content industry has determined to be enough of a, make enough of an effort to, uh, to, uh, to, to block infringement. So for companies like Google or Facebook, they're worried that they're going to be put in a position of having to monitor everybody's internet activity in order to preemptively screen out infringing materials. Now, that's going to be difficult for lots of reasons, not least of which is the you know, high levels of opposition in the American public to that kind of invasion of privacy, uh, but also because it's just very difficult to distinguish infringing from non-infringing materials. And uh, any comprehensive plan to do that is going to sweep in a lot of legitimate speech, a lot of legitimate content. And that's where it becomes a free speech issue. Uh, the second thing that the bill does is allows companies to direct, directly block payments. So if a company is uh, uh, using MasterCard or Visa to process payments for, for services on their site, and Time Warner or uh, Disney comes along and says, well, the, you're, uh, you have infringing content on your site, they can just go directly to the payment company and cut off that payment system. So for startup businesses, it makes them very exposed to charges of infringement that can just, you know, really, uh, without any kind of judicial review, shut down their business model in a hurry. Yeah. And then that, the, the House version of the Act throws in uh, a, a third set of measures around felony streaming. And this is where, I don't know if you, if you follow this debate, uh, this is you know, being described as the Justin Bieber provision, because Bieber uh, posted a lot of uh, versions of, uh, of, of rock songs uh, on on uh, on YouTube you know, in, the, in the early days of his career. And the bill basically makes it a felony to stream infringing material. So there's, a, there's a potentially a very wide definition of what gets called a felony under the new provisions of the Act. So those are the three things, and that's, that's really the heart of uh, you know, what's, uh, what's underlying the controversy. Right. So um, the, uh, yeah, the, this idea that you know, YouTube, you need to police your content, or, or that even Justin Bieber, who uploads something that's potentially infringing would then be a, be a felon is, is pretty frightening. And, and in, in the survey, um, the copy culture survey, uh, there, there were a set of really interesting questions. Um, I, I found it was, it was very interesting how it, when it was phrased in a certain way, you know, when, when it's phrased as censorship, like 
would would you be all right with censorship um people say no 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 but but when uh when um in the the wording is was was very interesting can you can you talk a little bit about how's how people's response to this idea of you know facebook uh, monitoring for infringing activity versus censorship um I guess. sure uh, I mean, public opinion is very soft on these issues because people haven't had a lot of time to really think about these, you know, what it means for uh, web-based intermediaries to start uh, engaging in copyright enforcement. I mean, these are quite new issues. So public opinion is really, uh, you know, a, a survey like ours is a pretty crude guide to public opinion on these issues because you ask people and it may be the first time they've you know, heard the question or had to think about it. Mm-hmm. So we surveyed a bunch of different variations on the on on this issue, uh, starting with very soft types of questions like, uh, you know, should Facebook or Dropbox uh, try to screen material and try to remove infringing content, all the way to, uh, you know, should the government censor infringing content? On, uh, and you, you get a pretty wide spectrum of, of responses, but the, you know, the, the, the most consistent finding across all these questions is, is essentially, you know, people are supportive of the idea of copyright enforcement. You know, there are it, there are majorities in support of copyright enforcement online in some fashion, but as soon as you start getting into specifics and uh, start talking about some of the likely consequences of that enforcement, uh, support drops off very quickly. So at the, at the at the sort of softest end, I mean, general support for online enforcement of copyright, you can get as high as about sixty percent, sixty one percent for that Facebook question I mentioned. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants the government involved. You get, you know, uh, the majority disappears very quickly as soon as you talk about government involvement in blocking or screening content. Uh, censorship uh, never gets a majority, never gets majority support, and again, uh, you know, drops off very sharply if you talk about government censorship. And then more generally, people don't want uh, enforcement of copyright online if it also means the blocking of legal content. And for the reasons I described earlier, it most certainly will. And that's not really an object of uh, dispute. It's it's pretty widely recognized that you know, broad-based copyright enforcement online is going to uh, is going to encompass a lot of legal legitimate speech. So that uh, generates a you know a, a only only a minority uh, minority approval, 36 percent. And then if you suggest that copyright enforcement would involve surveillance of people's internet activity, you get you know it, it drops further. If, if, if that's the criterion, and for most of the measures that are being discussed in the context of the Stop Online Piracy Act, it, it, it's a requirement of filtering at that level, uh, you're really only talking about 26% support. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's very interesting how, how when, the, when, when people kind of consider, well, what does it mean to stop online piracy, um, or in the context of this bill, uh, people's responses change pretty drastically. And... Uh, another definition I'm, I'd like to delve into a little bit is, you know, what is piracy? There are a lot of people out there who say, well, it's not piracy. All all content should be free. There are people who say, no, that's that's definitely not the case. Um, and your your research actually uh, doesn't begin with digital piracy, but goes into the piracy of you know physical media and and uh, video games, CDs, DVDs. Uh, there, there was a great study released earlier this year, Media Piracy in Emerging Economies. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how you define piracy? 
Well, it's a very contentious term for good reason. Uh, there's no legal definition of piracy. There is, a, you know, the, the term's really defined by the enforcement debate. And, uh, you know, what's legal from country to country varies quite a bit. I mean, many countries have, uh, you know, what, what's called a private copy exception, which means that you're allowed to copy things for yourself. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are different interpretations of how far that right extends. Uh, the U.S. doesn't have that. So we, we took what approximated the industry definition of piracy just because that's where the debate is happening right now. Uh, have you uh, bought, copied, or downloaded uh, materials, the unauthorized music or movies? We didn't ask about software piracy uh, just because most of that takes place in the business place, not, in, not at home. And uh, you know, the, the numbers are probably not surprising if you're following this debate uh, with, uh, in, in, in any detail. I mean, 46% of the American adult population has done one of those things or, or more. Uh, if you're looking at 18 to 29-year-olds, the numbers, the numbers go up to 70%. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the hardcore piracy, I mean, people who have very large digital collections and got most or all of them uh, you know, via downloading or copying, it turns out to be a very small number. So what we found is that most of, you know, the vast majority of this copying is casual copying, you know, simply because this is part of what it means to be a music consumer these days, to share music. Right. Uh, but if you're looking at the hardcore, the people that are of most concern to the industry, uh, it's, it's, it's a tiny percentage. It's down in the single digits uh, and uh, low single digits for, for most of the population. Right, yeah, it was, it was like Two percent are large-scale pirates of of the survey respondents, meaning that they've, when it comes to music, for example, they've pirated more than one thousand songs. I think was the number. Um, now, for it, it could be argued that these are also the the uh, that's kind of the market for music. The people who who you know down down thousands of songs, um, and some of the people listening here. WFMU listeners might might make up that percentage of people who uh, who have much higher collections, you know, two hundred thousand MP3 size collections. You can't afford to pirate, or you can't afford to pay for that much music. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think there's just a basic uh, shift underway in what it means to consume music, and uh, you know, very little of it involves uh, the kind of deliberate purchase of or less and less of it involves the deliberate purchase of a song or album. Right? I mean, there's, a, there's a process of acquisition of music that has become sort of delinked from the consumption of music. So, so at, the, you know, at, the, at, the, at the far end of this uh, sort of practices, among that 2-3%, you know, people are just acquiring much more music than they will ever listen to. And our survey didn't get into this, but there are other surveys that suggest that uh, you know, large numbers of the songs on somebody's iPod. You know, among, among people who have large digital collections, there's some things they've never listened to. <laughs> and so, ac- ac- acquisition and consumption have become kind of delinked in ways that, uh, you know, that that I that I think are you know un- that underlie some of this phenomenal phenomenon of large scale piracy. So you can't really talk about lost sales at that point. I and mean, people are, uh, you know, acquiring music uh, for reasons that, uh, you know, that, that partly have to do with simply the fact that they can. You know, virtually everything you own can copy or share a digital file in some fashion, and that capacity has just gotten easier and easier. And the you know music was sort of very early on in the scale of difficulty of things you could copy or share. Yeah, you know, so um, I'm talking with with Joe Caraganis about uh, the Stop Online Piracy Act and the uh, results of a survey 
about infringement and enforcement in the U.S., uh, some preliminary preliminary results from the survey. And uh, Joe, what, what you're talking about here is that kind of the, yeah, the, the pursuit of, of music has, for, for some, uh, replaced the, you know, the pleasure of listening. It's that, it's that it's like the pleasure of the hunt. Reminds me of a great article about Napster epiphanies by, by our own WFME DJ, Kenneth Goldsmith, uh, ran earlier this year in The Wire. But, uh, and, and you, you said that's not addressed so much in, in your survey, but you do address the idea that um, legal acquisition of music is, is showing signs of displacing piracy as it gets easier for people to acquire massive amounts of music legally. Yeah, I mean, we don't see any, uh, our survey doesn't really show any ideological commitment to piracy here. I mean, it's not that people are, uh, you know, prefer piracy to legal acquisition. But it is pretty clear from the data that what they want to be able to do is share music. And until quite recently, there weren't any legal ways to share digital music. Mm-hmm. Pirate, piracy performed that role. Uh, now you have the, the emergence of streaming services and you know, lots of ways to uh, either get to or point to music online that allow, that allow for many more ways to share music, share and casually consume large quantities of music or to skim large catalogs of music. All these things were you know, solely the, you know, the, the exclusive property of the pirate market for better part of the last decade and are now beginning, beginning to be available through the legal market. And that clearly has a, uh, you know, the, 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 the legal market is now performing many of those functions at affordable prices. And that's, you know, it's no surprise at that point that many people will switch their consumption habits to legal services. Right. So, so do we need the Stop Online Piracy Act? Or, or do we need more uh, legal ways of, of people accessing the media that they want um, the way that they're used to, to consuming now? Um, or do we need a combination? I mean, what what do you think is the answer? Is is it is it possible to stop online piracy? No, I mean, I, I do think we could build a copyright police state for ourselves that could make it difficult. Uh, but I think the costs of doing that would not just simply not be worth the benefits. I think what, what's uh, I see pr- piracy primarily as a business model problem, not a theft problem. Uh, but the difficulty is that the you know the the main sponsors of of, of the Stop Online Piracy Act, are, you know, insofar as it's a business model issue, it's really about protecting the kinds of revenues associated with the uh, the compact disc and the DVD. Right. So for most most of these businesses, the big the big uh, four are now three labels, and the big studios, they still make you know large percentages of their money on DVD, uh, CD and DVD sales. The record labels, I saw the number 70% recently, which is kind of an incredible figure. Yeah, and, and especially in light of the, this uh, words leaking out that, that record labels are going to stop producing compact discs after 2012. I, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> but even the big studios, the, the, the DVD is a huge business for them. And all, you know, those things are going away for reasons that you know, include piracy, but are by, by no means limited to them. Uh, but the kinds of the, the revenues associated with those products are, you know, have, have they've just become ingrained into the business model and ingrained into the cost structures. Right. Well, something this this reminds me of of what you talk about in the uh, media piracy in emerging economies study, which looks at uh, media piracy in Brazil, India, Russia, South Africa, Mexico, Bolivia, um, and and basically addresses piracy as this question of why. Should a DVD that costs, you know, fifteen twenty dollars in the U.S. economy 
costs the same amount in these in these emerging economies, and it, it's basically inviting, you know, it's 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 like there's no other way to obtain it than to pirate. Yeah, well, that that's very clear if you start looking at these things in Brazil or India or South Africa. I mean, it's it's fundamentally a a, a cost and availability question. Uh, if you ask the same set of questions in the U.S., you get a you know a mix of answers that are somewhat less interesting. Uh, some people don't want to watch commercials. Some people think it's too expensive. Uh, you know, the, the the important one from from our perspective is that people, you know, a, a significant percentage of those people also want to share music, and they want to share music with friends and family. So, what is what is the legal architecture that you can build around that set of interests? Right. And if, if and if you're penalizing that, if you're penalizing this thing that 75% of the American public wants to do, <laughs> you have a problem. Uh, so, to some extent, you know, the, the the problems that that Americans are having are problems that the Brazilians or Indians will have in a few years because broadband services are ramping up. Uh, you know, the, the, these incomes are rising. Uh, the, the U.S. is a, a mature media market that's on the sort of leading edge of these business transition issues. But uh, you know, when when we're looking at Brazil and India, we're de- we're looking primarily at optical disc markets, CD and DVD piracy. So this this uh, the study released earlier this year the the media piracy in emerging economies uh, was originally well na- now it's available under a Creative Commons license that encourages sharing uh, for non commercial use. Uh, my understanding is maybe there was a switch at some point and originally it was released under this this custom license that kind of encapsulated the, a lot of ideas that that are uh, part of the study called the Consumer's Dilemma License. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, the Consumer Stolen License was just an attempt to replicate some of these uh, price uh, problems uh, for the for the U.S. and European consumer. Uh, basically, we had a sort of uh, a widget on our website that determined where you were located if you were visiting the site from uh, if you're visiting the site. If you're trying to acquire the the report, it would charge you eight dollars if you were uh, coming from a high income country. It was free if you're coming from a middle or low income country. <laughs> And then we had a, com- a commercial use license for two thousand dollars. Did you get anybody purchasing that commercial use license? We did. We we sold three of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And the and the study was uh was recently featured on Brazilian MTV. Uh, yes, it was. It's it's very popular in Brazil because the Brazilians feel these issues very intensely, and uh, you know the the realization that uh, they're they're getting the short end of the stick on these these pricing and availability issues is something that's attracted a lot of attention, especially among Brazilian music consumers. Hmm. Yeah, it was a really cool segment. I actually watched it, even though I don't, I don't speak Portuguese, but uh, I was able to understand some, you know, they interviewed people from East Village Radio. Um, they also interviewed the band Metric. Um, and Metric w- was there saying, you know, they stopped child pornography on the internet. The internet companies are making all this money while piracy is going on. They need to share that money. And that, that seems like a big, that's kind of one of the, the driving perspectives behind the Stop Online Piracy Act. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't really understand what Metric was getting at. I mean, they're also pretty clear that uh, you know, there, are, there are business innovation models here, that, they, you know, that the music business needs to be more about engagement with fans and less about selling of physical media, and they seem to get that too. So, But I do, I do think their comments were reflective of this, this you know, very real tension in the music community about what's going on. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's a dilemma trying to figure out how to make money off of music these days. And, uh, uh, you know, 
these are problems that are so new that you know many, many groups are struggling with them for, for for good reason. Right. Right. Well. Um. Oh, so so the uh, the the research that you released just just this week to coincide with uh, the House discussing the Stop Online Piracy Act. It's a survey about American uh, piracy and, and enforcement um, perspectives among the American population. And it was released along with this image of a cat on a laptop. If, if you go to the website, it's linked, linked from the playlist up at WFMU.org. What, why a cat on a laptop? I was just kind of curious about that. Oh, that's a bit of a joke. You know, the, uh, the suggestion was that uh, cats are doing most of the downloading. Which, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and people on the internet. Which, if you think about it, it's probably the case. You know, they're home all alone all day. Uh, you know, people leave their computers on. It's very possible. <laughs> uh, well, and this, this research uh, is being done not just about America, but also about uh, Germany. Um, are, are there... Are there there weren't any findings published this week about the research uh, as far as perspectives on piracy in Germany, but I'm wondering if there's anything you can you can hint at before before the full results of the survey are released in 2012. Sure. Uh, basically, the Germans are uh, they do they pirate less. They're more favorable toward enforcement, including monitoring of their internet service, but they're also uh, much more sensitive to privacy issues. So it's a bit more of a, it's, it's a uh, bundle of contradictions that we'll try and explain in more, de- in more detail when we release the full survey. Hmm. Yeah, I hear, I hear a lot about uh, G- GEMA, the, the German kind of RIAA um, controls all, all rights to music in Germany, being a pretty, pretty harsh enforcer. Actually, just within the past week, they they sent an invoice for an event that was playing entirely Creative Commons music, saying, well, you must have played something that, that we own, so you owe us this much. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I saw, I saw that story. I mean, those, those kinds of stories are pretty common. I mean, the, there's a whole other set of problems related to rights management and transparency of rights management and how artists get paid, uh, including in the U.S. Uh, that's, a, that's a story for another day, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh did, did you get a chance to catch any any of uh, the debates about the Stop Online Piracy Act yesterday? I, I was I was just reading a little bit about there was a you know, presentation from Mastercard saying we don't need this like we don't want to be the middlemen between people who have who have uh, you know copyright holders who want to send a kind of pull the lever of saying you infringing website need to stop accepting payments from Mastercard. Um, Mastercard was basically saying we already do that. But we don't want to, uh, you know, we don't want to do it on these terms. We want to do it on on our own terms. Um, and, and anything else that you that you took away from from this introduction of, of SOPA? Oh, I think we probably read the same accounts. I gather the Mastercard testimony was a bit of a surprise. Um, well, but it makes perfect sense. I mean, why do they want to be in the middle of this fight between content owners and and, and pirates? It's, uh uh, or content owners on sites that uh, may be guilty of nothing at all or, or only very indirectly involved in uh, the transmission of infringing content. I mean, that's really not something that's going to earn MasterCard uh, much, uh, much approval from its customers. Right. I mean, very like, what is the criteria for a site to be... Uh, it's kind of at the discretion of, of whoever is issuing the claim, saying this site... Well, the, yeah, I mean, this, this is really where 
there's, there's just a lot of opposition on the part of the internet community. The, the criteria the criteria are, are very vague. Uh, pretty much anybody could be charged with not doing enough to prevent infringement. Right. And uh, you know, it, it creates a lot of me- it creates mechanisms by which the accusation can generate some very severe consequences if you're trying to run a business. And then, while there are remedies, you can then go to a court and you know, uh, object. In effect, you know, that may that process will take much longer, and it may be too late for you at that point. So that, that's that's really why 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 the tech companies are presenting this among other, among other things as a threat to innovation. Because if you're a new or struggling business, and somebody accuses you of infringement and shuts down your your revenue streams, uh, you know, it's nice that you have a legal remedy at the end of the day, but it's not going to do you much good in the meantime. Well, we'll uh, we'll continue to follow the Stop Online Piracy Act in the House and the Protect IP Bill in the in the Senate. And yeah, Joe Joe Carganis, thank you so much for joining. Any and we'll uh, we'll definitely point people towards the uh, Media Piracy and Emerging Economies Study. It's up yeah, they're free. they're both online. They're both free. Uh, there will be more to come, and it's all at piracy.ssrc.org.
WFMU.
the set of music you can download for free from freemusicarchive.org. That was L'Explication. If anybody can help translate what was going on there in the explosion, De l'Ego Dance Un... Well, pretty crazy, crazy stuff from the digital elves, the le, le elf digital, perdu dance la hautvar. And that, of course, from the Los Emes del Oso net label for that music from audio K I think is based out of Switzerland Ten, eleven, two thousand eleven. 2011 I guess that was the date it was recorded hot garbage from Chicago curated by WFMU DJ fatty jubbo song Health Problems off of Gut Rut. You can download that whole album for free. You can also download All Scars, Introduction to Humanity. DC group featuring Chuck Bettis, Brendan Canty, and James Canty. Amy Farina vocals on that track, Man O' War. Originally released in 1999 on a Discord available from Slow Dime. Introduction to Humanity. A lot of other good uh, All Scars stuff, including a performance from WPRB, mixtape for Trouble Man Unlimited live at the Black Cat DC 1998, all available for free download from the freemusicarchive.org. We heard from Sad Horse, Loafer, off an Eggy Tape, Zell Rossen, with Dunno What, from their self-titled Headphonica release, Sherbet Underground, this is incredible stuff. Available for free from a group based out of Subotica. Now part of Serbia, they were founded on New Year's Eve of 1991. And pretty crazy underground experimental punk. Apparently they didn't gig much, but recorded a whole bunch because it wasn't didn't really make much economic sense to play shows at the time. This is from the Croatian record label Listen Loudest. It's reissuing all four Sherbet Underground releases. 
we heard the song Zanet. And Black Math at the top of the set with 2U, new digital single from the Chicago band. Prior to that, Joe Carganis joined to uh, talk about the Stop Online Piracy Act. And preliminary conclusions from the Copy Culture Survey, Infringement and Enforcement in the U.S. This has been the Gray Area Podcast, with playlists up at wfmu.org slash playlists slash GA. Big thanks to Chris Zabriskie for providing the intro music and the music that we're hearing in the background right now. The song's called Divider. You can download it for free from freemusicarchive.org. And also be sure to check out the media piracy in emerging economies and the copy culture survey on infringement and enforcement in the U.S. Both can be downloaded for free from piracy.ssrc.org. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to our guest, Joe Carganis, and I'll see you next time here on Gray Area.